Welcome back to Our Soul, a podcast by Faith Choice Ohio, Ohio's faith voice for choice. Holy, 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 oh my goodness, all the holy things. We are in a season of confluence of the divine, confluence of all these holy seasons for different religious traditions. Sometimes they all just hit at once, and we have been in this season now of Christian and Jewish and Muslim confluence of holy days, right? We are in the midst of the holy days of Ramadan, the Muslim holy month of observation and fasting. We are also currently recording in the midst of the Passover celebration for Jews across the world. And we are in just the very first part of Eastertide, the season of the celebration of the resurrection for Christians in the Latin church tradition. And we're almost to Orthodox Easter, right? Like it all just kind of flows together because everybody's got different calendars and different ways of, you know, counting, uh, you know, lunar, solar, all these different things. But we are in the midst of a holy time for a lot of people, time of taking stock, of reflecting, And what I find so fascinating in this time and space is that we have ritualized in so many religious traditions the confluence of suffering and pain as well as healing, transformation, and progress. Like, this is our pain, we're going to name our pain, and we're going to rejoice in the triumph without dulling the sorrow, right? And, and ritualizing that across traditions, right? Regardless of what your religious tradition is, in so many of these spaces, that ritualization of triumph and yet acknowledging pain and pursuing healing, it's all there, right? Mm-hmm. And I find, that, I find that such a good space for us who work in repro because that's where repro is right now, right? Reproductive health rights and justice, we are experiencing a great deal of pain. The people who need reproductive care the most have consistently experienced pain and sorrow and suffering at the hands of state-sanctioned violence and inequitable systems and just downright horrible policies. And we're progressing through nonetheless. We're progressing through even though. And we have that hope for, for that reconciled future for a holy future, right? Am I am I just am I just having all the like you know Easter afterglows here or is this <laughs> is this you know something that resonates with you too Kelly? <laughs> no, I think that definitely resonates, except especially the bit about like how um, all of these religious traditions uh, reflect on trauma, and I think like that's really important um, for those of you who like don't know me personally. Uh, I have not been in a traditional church place um in about two years but i would still consider myself um at least having a christian background and a lot of my values are based in christianity and when i reflect back on like uh christian holidays one or uh, holy days is probably a better description um one of the ones that like is most important to me and really resonates for me is the idea of um, Holy Saturday, which 
you know, maybe a lot of people don't know about what Holy Saturday is, or maybe it's just because, like, I went to seminary and I've, like, studied stuff like this. I, I know about um, Holy Saturday and and that period of mourning. So, obviously, we have, in the Christian tradition, we have Good Friday, where uh, Jesus dies on the cross, and then we have Easter Sunday, where Jesus rise back, uh, resurrects from the dead. And what often people like to skip over is uh, what's called Holy Saturday, which is this this day of darkness and and waiting and not and like, you know, you may know what the future is. You may think like, you know, oh, I know what Jesus said. I know like what is promised, but there's still that period of waiting and uncertainty that comes with that. And just sitting in the grief and the trauma and having a period to just feel that, you know, I, I think a lot about Holy Saturday and how important it is to, to feel all the feelings after having this moment of deep grief and deep uh, suffering that's happened. Before you get to the joy part, you need to feel those, the sads, the sads need to be felt. Um, And I think it's, it's notable, you know, given that um, there's, you know, I I jokingly say, even though there's separation of church and state, we definitely live in a Christian nation. Um, and it's interesting to me that um, in this country, there's not often a lot of talk, there's not a lot of emphasis um, outside of church spaces on, uh, you know, trauma and and sitting in that trauma and when we think about easter as a holiday like generally uh we don't like i like the fact that i don't know if people everyone knows about holy saturday and everybody knows about the grief part of that um i think is saying something about like how our culture values um you know the performance of joy around easter um without really reflecting on the sorrow that comes with the anticipation of that joy, you know, something had to be given up to have um, the joy that is salvation. And I think that that's important. And, and there's such a reflection in other religious traditions, particularly, you know, those, those traditions that we see, um, having holy days during this time you know you, mm-hmm. you mentioned this really is um a quote-unquote christian nation and when i mm-hmm. hear that that phrasing i always i i get really anxious right because yeah. i think there are a lot of people who when they say this is a christian nation they mean that and they think that in like a positive light like oh I, you know christian to clarify so, i do not yeah. mean it in a positive way <laughs> if it, and, it, you guys can't see my face, but I, I feel like I reflected that in my in my body, uh, but not in my voice. So thank you and, for making that clarification. And I think, as, you know, for me as a Christian and as a Christian minister, like um, when I hear people say this is a Christian nation, I always want to ask, like, what kind of Christian? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you say a Christian nation. Do you mean like Christian in terms of? Um, you know, people who care for the poor and redistribute goods and have, you know, like Acts 432 says they claim no private ownership over any property. Pretty sure that's not what people mean when they say it's a Christian nation. When people say this is a Christian nation, what too often is meant 
is the exclusion of other religious traditions. And we've experienced that here in Ohio, right, over um, a great deal of our history, that the exclusion particularly of Jews, you know, the, the history of uh, particularly Reformed Judaism in uh, Cincinnati and the struggles that uh, Jewish believers had to even worship in, in this state um, are pretty well, well known and well developed in history. We think about our Muslim sisters and brothers, uh, you know, the struggle that many have even today to worship in peace without radical uh, Christian supremacists uh, mm -hmm. protesting outside their mosques, uh, you know, and disrupting their holy days. It's profound. I, I do, though, when I hear your reflection on Holy Saturday, my, my heart just joins with you because as a Christian myself, Holy Saturday is one of the holiest times for me. And it becomes even richer in my practice and in my understanding of my religious tradition when I see it in respect to other religious traditions, right? Mm -hmm. That there's this sense of waiting in the tomb, the darkness of the tomb, and the bright, glorious revelation of the morning, you know, that the stone is rolled away, there is newness of life that that, that comes into and enlightens this kind of darkened space. I can't help but think about the the month of Ramadan, right? Ramadan is to commemorate this first revelation of the angel Jibril to um, Muhammad, and that happens in the cave, right? Muhammad is in the cave. He receives this this revelation from the angel that eventually in uh, Islamic tradition becomes the Quran. And the idea that in the midst of seeming darkness and in the midst of what feels like emptiness comes great light and great nourishment, right? And, you know, at, at the risk of trying to force a metaphor, I think there are a lot of parallels also with, with our, our Jewish friends around Passover. You know, this idea at the Passover Seder that, yeah, you, you don't get to celebrate the Seder without the maror, right? Like you have to have the bitterness, right? You have to have the bitterness. Um, you know, you have to have those reminders of the real bondage and the terror that it was living in Egypt, living as enslaved people, um, and knowing that God has brought you from great pain and sorrow and suffering into something more and different, not as a way to simply use you to tell of God's glory, but because God truly desired better for you, right? Like this, this active, loving compassion from, from God. Um, that is just so powerful to think of the divine as a compassionate force in the world, as opposed to a force of judgment or shame, but one that desires newness of life and fullness of life and agency, right? All of these stories are about agency. They're about God wanting us to be able to do and to be freely who we are, right? To do the things in our life that we desire to do, to be able to make choices that are ethical and just for ourselves and for our families and for our communities. Mm -hmm. um, that's, that's part and parcel of the fight for reproductive health rights and justice and the fight for abortion justice in Ohio today. We want people to be free and freedom means freedom from all coercion 
and all mm-hmm. shame and all violence. Mm-hmm. And I think like, um, that's you know this this beauty of being able to have that that freedom and you know <laughs> what we're fighting for again i every single podcast episode i find some way to bring up the definition of reproductive justice um into our conversation but um you know what we're what we're fighting for is that like full freedom not freedom just in name alone um in the way that i think some when some people think of easter uh they think of like the easter uh, like in in the christian tradition and in the more like you know the uh what do they call them like cne christians people who come for christmas and easter um like you think about the joy of easter without considering the the stuff that came before when it comes to reproductive justice which is the right to have children to not have children and to care for the children we have in safe, safe and sustainable communities um that the other portions the part like the there is the have and to not have children yes and that is absolutely important and that people need to have that right to choose whether they want to have children or not but also understanding that there is another whole portion to this fight for reproductive justice which is making sure that people can live in safe and sustainable communities where they can you know um fully choose to have children or not based off of like what their lifestyle is like and what what they want for themselves rather than like, you know, maybe a person would be like, I want to have kids, but I don't want to bring a kid into this world. Or I, you know, the idea of having kids is great to me, but like this is not a safe space for children to be. And uh, when when I'm thinking about like the the joy um that that comes with these holy these holy periods um i think like the full joy that we want in in reproductive justice is like one that is not just focused on um the right to have an abortion which is absolutely necessary and should be accessible and safe and legal and for everyone regardless of what their reason is um but also I think it's really important to have that the the rest of it as well you know the entire uh safe safety and that sustainability um when people make reproductive health decisions right and to know that none of those decisions stand alone Mm -hmm. all of those decisions are made in context and the context is not for people external from the pregnant person to judge, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. The pregnant person knows best what context their pregnancy is in and what the future of their pregnancy might hold. Uh, you know, trying to communicate to folk that, that piece about safe and sustainable communities, that looks a lot different for people who are very wealthy people who are racially privileged people who are economically secure and you know insulated from a lot of impacts that otherwise befall folk and the structure of that system is such that people who do not experience those barriers do not even have a concept 
of what that context looks like, which is really the story of so many of these holy days, right? That mm -hmm. you have to know the context of what those who are struggling in these different places have suffered before you can understand what their perspective looks like. You think about our Muslim brothers and sisters who fast during this time. You know, many reasons, you know, why why the fast, you know, from, from sunup to sundown. But one of the, the kind of modern cultural interpretations has been placed to put yourself into solidarity with those who do not get to choose whether or not they have food today, but who simply go without, right? Um, in, in the Jewish tradition, folk to put themselves in the place of other people and indeed in the place of their ancestors to remember what it was like to not have options, to not have choices, to not have the ability to weigh in on your own future even when you're the one who knows best your own context, right? These are ritualized statements about agency and authority and about trusting people in their own experience to say, you don't know what someone else has been through. You must take a backseat to someone else's personal lived experience of what they are going through and what they do or do not want to go through in the future. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, you know, it just makes it even more ridiculous that these um, politicians who often are not even um, in bodies that can become pregnant uh, try to make decisions for people who have to make reproductive health decisions. Um, to, it, you can't take anyone's decision about how they want to live their life at face value. You know, um, I was I was talking to someone the other day about kind of my my journey to who I am as um, somebody who advocates for abortion access. And uh, I was talking about how when I was younger, like nobody would talk to me even about the option of abortion. It just wasn't something that came up. And uh, when I thought about abortion, I was like, oh, like, you know, I don't think that I would have one. But like if somebody else wants to have one, that's fine. Um, and you know, I've thought about, like, how, how that's stigmatizing um, now. But, like, even just the, the option of some, like, even my own decision about, like, oh, I don't think that I would have an abortion, like, that, I can't just say that about myself when I don't know even what my own context is going to be at the point that I might want to have an abortion, let alone, like, somebody else uh, wanting to have an abortion. Like, you don't know what situations are coming up. There may be people who, like, would at one point want to have kids, but at another point wouldn't want to have kids. Or, you know, just, it doesn't matter. <laughs> but it, it, it shouldn't be somebody else's decision. Because the only person who fully knows, you know, the context of why somebody wants to live their life in a certain way is the person living that life. And there is absolutely no reason um, that that choice should be taken away from them. Um, because they're, you know, they're the one who sat in their own Holy Saturday. They're the one who, you know, f had their own fasting and remembering of their traumas and, and their own consideration about where they are as a person at the point that they make any reproductive health decision. Um, and anybody who is, I mean, regardless of if they're willing to go through that and be in solidarity with them, like, they don't get to make that choice. It is only the person who it affects that should make this choice right. about and, 
what it looks like for them. And it just shows to me the, the way that we have culturally stigmatized abortion as an idea as opposed mm-hmm. to an option. Mm-hmm. At the point at which we we start asking people like, "Would you ever have an abortion?" as if that as if that's like just a thought experiment question. Like, you know, w- would you would you ever put a swimming pool in your backyard? Right? Like, it's not like that. It's it's uh-huh. a it's a choice and a decision that comes with the context of a pregnancy in a particular place in a particular time. And, you know, a particular set of factors that, frankly, mm-hmm. none of us know ahead of time. None mm-hmm. of us are aware of until the person is actually in that position. Mm-hmm. It's a, that's like asking someone, would you ever get your wisdom teeth removed? Or like, you know, if you had asked me when I was like, uh, maybe like 16, if I would ever get tattoos, I probably might have said no probably would have said no and for anybody who has ever seen me (laughs) i have a whole like sleeve of tattoos so like a a a person cannot even even a previous version of yourself would not know what you would do in the future because you don't have the context of what your future self has lived through and what your future self is currently dealing with so like how dare anyone else try to make that decision without being in that context and literally being that person you know um but like that's just like a stigmatizing question about like would you ever do this as if it's like some huge decision instead of like a medical thing you know would i ever have knee surgery maybe do i need knee surgery do i want knee surgery okay then i may or may not get it that's it (laughs) right um and and the ability to look at those decisions in retrospect and say you know it was not something that i anticipated it is however something that i am thankful for i i think about in in the jewish tradition um at passover seders often uh folk will will sing a song at a, a particular point in the seder um colloquially known as dayenu dayenu is the the hebrew word that kind of loosely translated means um it would have been enough right mm-hmm. so they they sing through this this theology of you know if uh, God had only brought us out of Egypt, it would have been enough. And if God had only brought us over uh, the Red Sea on dry land, it would have been enough. And if God had only fed us in the wilderness, it would have been enough. And if God had only uh, given us the manna in the wilderness, it would have been enough. All of these these moments where they look at the history of this story and say, if God had stopped here, it would have been enough right? It would, it would have been sufficient. It would have been good. We could have had a good and wondrous life, but God didn't stop there. God went on and went on and went on. And they recognize all of these elements of the story as the unique way in which God positioned their people to live the life that they currently live. I think about so often the folk that I have counseled uh, through abortion decisions and abortion care, they look back on the decisions that they have made in their life and years after their abortion experience, they say, ah, these decisions have led to this thriving, right? Like this life that I have is not only possible because of the decisions that have been made, 
but those decisions are integrally part of the thriving in this space. Like, Mm -hmm. I am not ashamed of all the things that have happened because they are literally the way in which my life has been shaped to live the life that I'm living right now, right? Mm -hmm. It would have been enough, right? At any point, I, I could have I could have made you know other choices other decisions. It would not though have led to this wondrous life, and I am grateful in this moment that I have this life. You know, that it was enough through all of those things that all of these decisions added up to this outcome. You know? mm-hmm. What yeah. what I'm what I'm hearing like kind of uh, coming through this conversation is this. Uh, this thread of context like context is just really important to not only understanding people's struggles not only understanding why people make certain decisions but also understanding their joys like you know also going back to my own personal experience with easter like i i don't think that the joy of easter is as good without considering the hard struggle of holy saturday it's just like the the sweet isn't as sweet if you don't have the bitter before um, and um you know it's in in context like it you can't look at any person at face value and and know them fully without understanding their story and where things have come from and you know thinking about looking back at those points in history and saying like you know, the good, bad, and ugly, like, this is where we are now. And, like, I'm grateful for for where we are now. Um, I, I kind of wish that, like, societally we, we welcomed more of that reflection of, you know, rather than just reflecting on the good parts, but also reflecting on the parts that we've survived through and how we've gotten, how we've gotten here and what we've been through and, like, these moments where we made it. And it was hard but like i being glad that we made it and um yeah i'm just kind of hearing this this story and the importance of context and when i you know when i think about the reproductive um health rights and justice movement like i think that it also reflecting on those highs and lows and like man i mean we've said this a lot of times but the lows do get low and may get lower um but eventually (laughs) i i hope for a day that we are able to say like man you know 2020 2021 2022 those were really rough times um but because we went through that because we stuck together because we built communities together because we survived this together now we are in a space where we you know can care for each other in community and we can you know, get a fuller access to the full freedom that we're longing for in reproductive justice um, and and remembering the or hopefully living in the joy of having more of that freedom um, because we've struggled together. Hard days. Hard days yeah. make for holy days. Yeah. When I... Uh, reflect about like you know thinking about my own um periods that are meaningful for me i think like those those hard days do indeed make holy days in even in my personal life and i think about like who i am as a person and and how i got here a lot of that is because of those hard days and i think like 
I think a lot of people can probably relate to that. And this this holy season is just reminding me how important it is to think in context and to really see that larger, fuller picture, even in when that includes like some really deep sorrows and some trauma and it's okay to re to you know sometimes to feel that again and to you know allow that to impact you and um to have a holy saturday when it's necessary or to have a a period of mourning and and grieving and um feeling that when it's necessary it's a like i think not often enough do we uplift um the ability to reflect on those sad points um but i think that that should be allowed more often and people should allow themselves to feel like those those hard feelings um in context and understanding yeah so often people you know will ask me um do you believe it was god's will right as a christian pastor they always ask you know about um, Christian theology on Good Friday. Do you believe it was God's will that, you know, Jesus should die this horrible death, you know? Which, th- the basic question for that is, do you believe it's God's will that violence comes into our life? Do you think God uses violence to work um, goodness? And my response is always, I don't believe God willed Good Friday. I do believe God willed Holy Saturday. Because after you have experienced trauma... You need space to be and to process and to honor and acknowledge those feelings and those realities. And so often in our culture and society, we want to force people to go right from trauma to let's fix this because we're not comfortable sitting with the wounded hands and sides and feet Mm. of the body of trauma that, that is before us. And to be able to stay in that space and say... No, we have to acknowledge what has happened. We have to be truthful and honest and tell the whole story. That's how you get from Good Friday through Holy Saturday to Easter. That's how you get from the bondage moment of the Hebrews into the liberation of the story. That's how you get from the darkness of the cave to the revelation of the angel Muhammad. That's how the transition happens. It is not through the trauma, but rather through that time of healing and reflection and honesty. That's Mm -hmm. the heart of these holy days, and that's why these hard days make holy days so often and so well. Mm. Well, um, this has been a nice nice conversation. I know um, sometimes we focus more on the social justice side of things, and then I feel like today was a, a really faith-based <laughs> podcast for our faith-based podcast. Um, but you know, it's all—it's all a part of who we are at Faith Choice Ohio, uh, holding holding both of those at the same time, and and the this conversation about the the context of trauma and joy, I think, is important to the conversation about um, reproductive health rights and justice. So. Um, this is a good conversation today and uh, we will be back in a couple weeks to talk about whatever comes up then thank you for listening to this episode of our soul 
If you'd like to hear more of our conversations on religion, abortion access, and all things Repro, you can find all our episodes on Podbean, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. For more content, training, and other information, check us out at faithchoiceohio.org.